Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. Today's episode of The Other Stories is Cloudburst, written by Georgia Cook and narrated by Shara Yonker. It started with rain. Clouds have gathered slowly over Barksfield since mid-morning, bathing the world in a grey overcast. Later, reports would suggest they'd hung with a curious pink hue, but most residents dismissed this as an embellishment. If any townsfolk glanced up that morning, they noticed nothing bizarre in the clumps and swirls of cloud cover. When the storm finally broke just after 3 p.m., it rained red, not rust red, not chemical pink, but the thick red wine burgundy of blood. The rain stained washing, splattered windows, ran rivets down roads and driveways. Cars sloshed through red wine flood water. Parents kept their children indoors staring wide-eyed through splattered windows. When the rain finally stopped, Barksfield lay awash. Dogs howled. Sirens wailed. A smell like old copper floated on the breeze. To an outside eye, it might have seemed some terrible massacre had taken place. And over it all, the rain clouds floated, thick and gray, unmoved. Kirsten tapped the specimen jar with a fingernail, 
The liquid inside gurgled sluggishly, leaving a thin red residue on the glass. Definitely biological, she said. I could have told you that from the smell, said Alan, perched on the other side of the van. Kirsten resisted the urge to throw her pen at him. It hadn't taken long for the CDC to swoop in on Barksfield. Declaring a potential biohazard, they'd sent a small cavalcade of mobile field units, shiny metal vans, joint testing lab and observation centers with just enough space for two to assess the phenomena. Kirsten and Alan had parked their van in the tiny lot behind Barksfield's sole supermarket. Hardly the glamorous government-paid lifestyle Kirsten had hoped for, but she reminded herself they were here to do good. And wasn't some part of her thrilled by this assignment? The sheer abnormality of blood-red rain? Animal? Alan asked. Kirsten shook her head. Won't know until HQ confirms the samples, but it isn't normal. Could have clocked that from the color. Alan turned back to his laptop, tapping with coffee-stained fingers. Kirsten pulled a face. I guess we just have to wait, she said, setting the jar down with a sigh. If it's a one-off occurrence, we can take our samples to the lab and work from there. And if it's not? Kirsten flashed Alan a thin little smile. We stay in the van. They didn't have to wait long. The next shower arrived the following morning. Something rattled against the rooftop just after 10 a.m. Kristen glanced up, then back to her paperwork. The rattle came again, soft at first, as if a tree were raining small fruit down on the van, then louder, faster, growing increasingly persistent. Alan met Kristen's eye. In unison, they rose from their seats and hurried to the door, descending into a downpour. This time it wasn't blood. Small white pellets rained from the sky, bouncing on rooftops and lodging in gutters, rattling against window panes and skittering across the road. At first glance, they resembled hailstones, but there was something disconcertingly uniform about their shape. Kirsten bent and plucked one from the tarmac. It laid flat in her palm, small and off-white. She and Alan exchanged a look. Is that... Alan began. Kirsten nodded. Teeth, she whispered. They're teeth! It rained every day that week. Even before the teeth could be swept from sidewalks and front porches, the clouds darkened again. Hearts and valves and chunks of sinew splattered the rooftops, followed by veins and strands of red and green and blue, curling across Barksfield like slippery party streamers. By the fourth day, the smell was unbearable, held at bay only by the fire department's power washers. New trucks swarmed Barksfield, followed closely by the sensation seekers, all desperate to glimpse the next grisly storm. Theories ran rife. It was a terrible residue of a mid-air collision, frozen in the storm clouds above Barksfield. It was a freak hurricane, plucking body parts from a cemetery in the hills, depositing them into the valley below. It was aliens. Mass hallucinations, scientific research gone wrong. By the time a drizzle of eyeballs fell early on Wednesday morning, 
the CDC had called an official emergency. The media vans were swept to the edges of town. The population herded into quarantine. A group of CDC researchers launched a drone from a high school playing field, flying it into the dense cloud layer. It plummeted back to the earth an hour later, accompanied by a shower of intestines, crumpled and clotted with gore. No salvageable footage on the camera, except for five seconds in the middle when the screen flickered a deep, rich red, accompanied by a low, rumbling thump that might have been thunder. Might have been a thousand different heartbeats. Kristen stifled a yawn, pushed her hair out of her eyes, and glanced around the van. Jars and specimen boxes filled every available tabletop. Lungs swirled, fleshy lumps bobbed in a current of their own liquid. Alan leaned back in his chair, inspecting a jar full of eyes. Had a chat with a bloke in the bar last night, he said. Kristen grunted, good for you. He owns a light aircraft. Alan continued slowly. Keeps it in a field in the edge of Barksfield. No media vans or anything. He trailed off, shooting Kristen a sideways glance. Kristen paused. Realization dawned. Are you crazy? She hissed, spinning in her chair. Alan reddened. So you want to spend another week trapped here watching organs fall from the sky? He snapped. Because I want to know what's going on. So we send someone up there unsupervised? Kirsten shot back. Without the proper checks? Without protocols? Who's going to know? We are! So we just wait for this to get worse? For the army to roll in and take this from us? Kirsten opened her mouth to reply. Her computer screen beeped. She turned. An email attachment had arrived in her inbox. She clicked it open, muttering under her breath. We don't have time for this, Alan. She paused, her grip tightening on the mouse. What is it? Alan asked. It's the lab reports, Kirsten whispered. She scanned the attachment, barely taking it in. Well, prompted Alan. What does it say? Kirsten met his gaze with a blank-eyed stare. It's identical, she said. What? All of this, Kirsten motioned to their collection of jars. It's all from the same person. The DNA is identical. But that's impossible, Alan snorted. We've got, what, three sets of lungs, two hearts? Enough sets of fingers to open our own bloody hot dog stand. I know, Kristen snapped. I know, Alan. They sat in silence, staring at the collection. Maybe it's from the same family, Alan suggested carefully. Unease prickled Kristen's spine. That still doesn't explain where it came from, she said. Coming from, Alan corrected her bleakly. It's still happening. Kristen stared at their collected specimens preserved and labeled and utterly horrifying. She took a deep breath. Okay, she said. Tomorrow morning, before it gets light. If we're caught, it was all your idea, Alan nodded. Deal. It rained lungs that night. Kirsten lay in her cramped hotel bedroom listening to each sickening thwack against the sidewalk, trying not to picture some vast, undulating meat sack hanging overhead. 
Alan's pilot met them the following morning in a field overlooking town. The grass had churned to mud over the preceding weeks. Flies buzzed in undulating clumps, the stench of rotting flesh permeating the air. Henry Singh was a broad, muscular man, graying around the temples. His light aircraft was just large enough for a single occupant. Carson wondered if he'd built it himself. Been wanting to do this since the blood rain last week, he said. Feds keep saying it's a health risk. Good to meet some officials willing to take risks. Carson gave him a tense smile. Did, uh, Dr. Fielding give you the paperwork? <laughs> Alan gave me your little NDA, don't worry. Henry flashed a wink. This is strictly off the books. We need an aircraft, and I want to know what the hell's going on up there. I won't sue once I touch back down. Kristen felt herself redden. That's not what I... I know what you meant. Henry grinned, tipped his hat, then jogged across the grass to his plane. You'll want to get yourselves out of the way, he called over his shoulder. Just give the word. Ellen and Kristen retreated to the edge of the field as Henry vanished inside the cockpit. The aircraft whirred to life, made a steady circuit of the field, turf and soil flying beneath its wheels, then rose up, up into the sky. What now? said Kirsten as the great blot vanished through the cloud. I guess we wait, said Alan, until it comes back. Right. They sat on a fence, hidden in the shade of a crooked oak tree, its branches thick with red-brown meat. Flies buzzed in the growing dawn. Thunder rumbled overhead. Could be rain, mumbled Alan. Could be, Kristen agreed. They lapsed into silence. Kristen tried not to think about the protocols they'd breached, the rules they'd broken to do this. She tried not to picture the blanket of cloud hanging above them or the terrible state of the drone only a few days previously, mingled and coated in gore. Christ, what had they done? A sudden movement from Alan jolted Kirsten back to reality. It's back, he gasped. Kirsten jolted to her feet, following his pointed finger. The dark speck of aircraft dipped past the clouds, moving to an angle as it glided towards the ground. Excitement turned to panic as Kristen's throat. Something's wrong, she said. The plane juddered, plummeted, righted itself, then plummeted again, landing with a thud at the other end of the field. Kirsten and Alan sprinted towards it, stumbling on the fetid grass. Before they were even halfway across the field, Kristen realized what was wrong. The plane's entire body was wrapped in something shining and opaque. It covered the windows, tangled across the nose, splitting where it stretched over the engine. Soft brown speckles bristled the surface. A light coating of hair stirred in the breeze. Kirsten froze, bile rising in her throat. Alan froze beside her. Jesus Christ, he whispered skin. 
It was skin. Enough skin to cover an entire human body. Fresh and neat as a hotel duvet, enveloping the plane like cling film. Kirsten watched as Alan took a scalpel to it. Watched as the sheets of flesh slid from the driver's side door with a wet sucking sound. She half expected it to flinch in pain. Come on, Alan grunted. Help me! Together they wrenched open the cockpit doors. A smell like a butcher's shop rose to meet them. Kirsten choked down a breath and peered inside. Henry? She croaked. Nobody answered. The cockpit was empty. No sign of Henry, no sign of anyone. A layer of gore coated the windscreen, turning the light pink and gloomy. Kirsten and Alan stood in silence, staring into the strange red place. Kirsten was the first to unfreeze. She stumbled from the steps and threw up on the grass, gulping down lungfuls of humid air. Alan followed on trembling legs, wide-eyed and pale. I... I don't understand, he whispered. I just don't understand. This was a mistake, Kirsten hissed. We shouldn't have... Thunder rumbled again, directly above them now. Kirsten turned her gaze upward. Clouds rolled across the sky, bathing the rooftops of Barksfield in shadow. The air smelled of iron. Iron and meat... What happens once it's finished? Kristen whispered. Alan glanced at her bleakly. What? What comes out of the sky after all... this? After it's perfected... Whatever it's doing out there... Alan swallowed. He looked pale, clammy despite the chill. The shadows lengthened. A light mist prickled Kristen's cheeks. There was a storm coming on. It looked like a big one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Cloudburst was written by Georgia Cook, narrated by Shara Yanka, edited by Carl Hughes of Music by Dark Fantasy Studio and Tom Robson. The sound effect provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course, to Ben Errington, the indomitable foghorn, sounding out cracking tweets and booming posts. Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She's the winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at at GeorgiaCooked and on her website at georgiacookwriter.com. Sharyanka is a quirky, enigmatic Lalakisiak who lives in beautiful Eugene, Oregon. When she's not fashioning medical products to rescue your squishy brain, she's using her own to plot new story ideas hone her archery skills, play video games, and occasionally lose herself in paralytic fits of existential dread. 
She's accompanied by her danger noodle, Silas, who whispers award-winning story ideas in her ear every night and graciously allows her to keep all the credit. You can find her on Instagram at at Zalesra and on Facebook at Shara Dane Yonka. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.